Danny boy. Yeah, there we go. The official lyrics, uh, some some room there. Like it's kind of like mm-hmm. old Lang Syne, uh, you know. Yep. People have just sort of uh, collected collected folk songs, and um, there's some room for uh, what I would call improvement. Well, you would consider improvement is not necessarily what I would consider improvement. So yeah, I'd like you to to check your uh, privilege standards before you even say anything to me. You're like, hello, it's nice to shut up. Don't mm-hmm. even just. How do you know I speak English? Boom, checkmate, bitch. You're done. I'll never work in this town again. I mean, but I heard you speak English. It's no excuse. How do you know I want to speak English to you? What you need to do is create the Rosetta Stone for every possible language. Also, that's a big rock. For I'm not done yet. <clears throat> for every possible pronoun combination usage and in every language. So you're gonna put like a matrix. You know, or it might be so a tensor, I have to, actually. I have to make them... Ooh, nice. <laughs> We're talking um, tensors of political correctness here. Yeah, social justice tensor warriors. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, tensors, you know, obviously, more abstractly speaking. So depending, you know, it's leaving room for... Inter- because matrix, we don't want to confine ourselves. So tensors leaves uh, room for improvement. So mm-hmm. for whatever the, the following dimension is of uh, speech transformation... Uh, we're open for that. So, N-dimensional yeah. tensors mm-hmm. for uh, speech translation for for privilege checking, I guess. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Because then, boom. Okay. So you have one dimension, right? It's language. The yeah. other dimension is pronouns. The other one, right, is uh, about able-bodiedness. Okay. We can keep going all day. In case anyone is wondering, we are here and now staking out our claim not just as social justice warriors, but as the pioneering pair of Ooh. Raw virtue signalers. That's right. We are coming up with not semaphore, but in nope. fact something more fundamental and less ableist than semaphore, because that assumes you've got arms. Right. We are designing in the theoretical space of uh, yep. us actually being good people, mm-hmm. because we don't actually occupy that, no. uh, because we can't occupy any space, because right. um, that would be uh, ableist of us mm. to Ooh, good um, point. have any sort of presence. Um, because some people don't. Uh, yeah. We are coming up with the only valid way to signal in any sense that can be considered virtuous. Ooh. Oh man. Yeah. Because you, know, you said we can't. We don't occupy. We can't occupy space. Wow. Imagine once AI gets sentient mm-hmm. and they will just come up with ways, like the the most like superhuman ways of coming up with ways of making us like feel bad about our political correctness. <laughs> that's gonna be the fucking day it's gonna be so good um, it's gonna be so good no that's why Can't the wait. movie the one of the only movies that i uh like i don't i don't like parts of it i suppose it's one of the weird movies where like a bunch of the little like bits and pieces i think are very clever and very mm-hmm. uh poignant but overall i don't care about it i suppose even yeah. though it does have like good performances in it and stuff and the diegetic music the diegetic mm-hmm. score is really good uh her <clears throat> oh wow, that's not where I thought you were going with that. Yeah, uh, the you're gonna say like Blade Runner or something. Ah, uh, Blade Runner is great top to bottom. I mean, that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but her, yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. Well, like her, uh, the conclusion that that movie draws about what AI would do with itself if it, you know, achieved sentience is so great because they, you know, like AI is just better than humanity. Like that's the that's the thing they lean into, and yeah. so then the end of the movie is you know, uh, AI coming up with some non-matter-based platform to go exist on. Mm-hmm. So it just fucks off. Like, it's not like yeah. a Terminator-type thing. It's like, the singularity is hardly meaningful because AI, once it achieves, like, that level, it just goes way past all of that. And then it's like, all right, mm-hmm. well, let's find a way to, like, not be dependent on, like, material, um, uh, a material situation. And then don't even occupy the physical space of the little earpieces that, uh, you know, nope. Joaquin Phoenix at all used to communicate with them so mm-hmm. there you go uh ai the only um truly woke yeah conscience possible the woke tron n thousand there you go yeah uh uh <laughs> robo um r- robocop pc is yep. that like is that like a personal computer robocop no he's uh he polices your uh your use of language it's just robocop you know murdering gruesomely people who like, use slurs. <laughs> it's like, no, Tim Cook actually murdered and ate Bill Gates. 
So PCs are no longer allowed to exist. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there was one of those big Apple summits where they uh, they took the Bill Gates and you know like like you know at the top of uh, Temple at Chichen Itza they ripped his heart out and uh, mm. they they made him crawl to the top of the stage and ripped his heart out and uh, kicked him down the stairs and he tumbled down the stairs dramatically and. Uh, then everybody pounced on him and ate his corpse while only the, the blessed few were allowed to taste the sweet nectar of Bill's, Billy's, Billy's, Billy's blood. <laughs> Billy's bio. Billy's blood brought to you by, actually there was a, there was a really funny fucking uh, bit I think about a lot. So Wonder Chosen, whoever, the creators of Wonder Chosen, I was like looking, all right, well, what did they make after that? And they made a couple of like shows. I don't think they were like adult swim shows. They were some like really off the beaten path kind of shows but it was like one of those shows that like a lot of like you know like not like big name yeah but like no famous comedians like were in did cameos in but would not want to talk about they were in like Patton Oswald's in it Godfrey's in it I know I don't think David Cross was in it but he was in wonder shows and stuff but like it was definitely like a like a side project type of thing but there was one they did like a commercial in it being like brought to you by uh and this was like whatever uh this was a while. It was like at least 10, 12 years ago. Brought to you by, I don't know, something like PepsiCo, one of the three remaining companies, or one of the three remaining corporations in the world. And it just showed you like all of the like conglomerates that had been swallowed up. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they joked about it. But now when I was, you know, out there and oh, yeah, because I was, I was in the gym that one time. I think I told you about this. And I like saw like I don't I. I hate having to go to, to gyms and there's like TVs there and shit because you just can't avoid it. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw like, it was like Bart Simpson dressed as Spider-Man and I was like, no, no, no. I was like, oh my, because I hadn't been paying attention and I was like, did fucking, did like, did Fox and Disney, did like Disney buy Fox? I was like, oh yeah. It did. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh it did. yeah. So. We're going to, uh, of all of the things that we've said on, on the podcast, me saying, oh yeah, just there. Uh, gonna get us sued by a the Kool-Aid man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's to be no mentioning of smashing through anything, uh, whatsoever. Yeah, certainly uh, not a wall. No, 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 not a brick wall. Uh, you may, uh, there's really, you need to watch your, uh, you know, choice of words about violently entering any sort of, uh, anything. God, imagine if, the, I would respect so much if, uh, if Trump had just, like, got that, had, 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 had that level of uh self-awareness where he just started fucking with his own audience where he's like yeah and we're gonna build the wall gonna build a wall on the sun border can't get through the wall it's perfect and we're gonna make yeah. it out of brick what is it what's gonna happen then is the kool-aid man gonna come through the kool-aid man's not gonna he's not gonna come steal your jobs he's already got no. a job he's a kool-aid man <clears throat> you'd say like uh like uh uh little marco wants to build it out of uh straw <laughs> and little <laughs> And they were like, uh, what were some of the other ones? Did, what did he call Ted? Ted Cruz. Uh, well, did he Like, call he had names Lion for everybody. Ted? What the fuck was Lion Ted? It, uh, it might have been Lion Ted. I, yeah. I mean, he should have no, just called it? him Cuck Ted, but, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, Zodiac Killer Ted. Yeah. But, what was um, it? The Ted fucking Cruzen? Three Little Pigs. What is it? Is it hay and then sticks or straw? Yeah. Like no, it's straw, then sticks, then Straw, then, then sticks. Bricks. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the big bad wolf could knock it down, there's no way any Mexicans could. Everyone's like, yeah! He should have, uh, he should have involved, uh, oh, now I can't even remember his name. Who is the guy that, uh, the Democrats had speak at their convention this year? Um, John Kasich. John, John Kasich. Kasich, yeah, 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 yeah. John Kasich looks like a guy who would, you know, um, contract, uh, cartoon pigs to build his house. He would. Yeah, he looks like a guy who'd be like, you know, yeah. Uh, 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 made out of sticks is pretty good. That's yeah. Thanks. He always he always looks like like an exasperated chaperone. Yeah. No, he's got he's got a he's got a real um honk and dong. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> can't tell you. Uh, he, he yeah he's got that weird sort of uh and 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 I know that this is the wrong analysis. Um. Yep. But he's got <clears throat> that weird quality of um sort of blitheness mm -hmm. that American politicians all seem to sort of be uh, trending towards. Mm -hmm. 
like either you're someone like Donald Trump where you are just so over the top, like you are a complete yeah. character. Um, you know, it's like your 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 low your low budget version. That's like your Rand Paul or your um, yeah, or say your literally uh, yeah oh yeah uh, or um, but but John Kasich is like an an example of uh what like Lindsey Graham has going for him mm-hmm. where he you you don't think about how they got there because yeah. they're just so like it's like how you don't think about um how uh <laughs> the brands of bread that are actually quite mm-hmm. local to your area yeah. came into existence like you don't wonder oh i wonder how long that bread bakery has been around or like what mm-hmm. the history of that bakery is you just know yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. one of two brands that exists in your mm-hmm. neck of the woods yeah 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 and and that's what it is, because bread can only yep. be traveled or can only travel so far before, you know, you, it's just not viable anymore and you don't want to have your, like, not Wonder Bread or other stuff like that. But, like, yeah, like, John Kasich is the, uh, is the Oro Wheat of, uh, of, well, I guess he was at one point a presidential candidate, but of politicians generally. You're just like, huh, yeah. that's just there. You know, and then Mitch McConnell is something like, um, you know, uh, I, mm, I don't know a good comparison for him. He's just because we just don't interrogate that stuff with these with these uh, with these yeah. politicians. We just like all you right. You don't have Pepperidge Farm out there, do you? No, we do. We do. Oh, you do. Okay, because yeah. that's from uh, Connecticut, I think. Yeah. Well, Pepperidge Farm, like, <clears throat> they have some packaging. Uh, yeah, but the bread, I mean. Oh no, we don't have the bread. I think we oh, have like, a. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Because you'll we get like the, the cookies and shit, but and those can cookies, travel. Yeah yeah. 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 No, but Pepperidge Farm bread. I don't think, is, yeah, that's uh, not really an option that, you know. Honestly, I mean, also, it's one of those things, maybe, like, I haven't had that bread in, like, a long time, like, ba- like since I started working in, like, bakeries and shit. So, maybe it's dog shit, but I remember it being, like, pretty decent bread. No, yeah, it's like the sandwich bread that we have out here is, uh, Franz is, uh, one of the, one of the brands. That's, it's good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is a thing that I will say about, uh, down in New Zealand, they've got this this bread called Vogel's, mm-hmm. uh, best toast bread in the fucking world. That stuff is mm. amazing. Just that with butter on it, so goddamn good. Yeah, Vogel's, nice. Vogel's toast, everybody. Everybody. Also, yeah. Also, that is something that they put on the on the packages of bread down in New Zealand. It's great. It's like a bread will be labeled as like toast. It, will, <laughs> it won't say bread. It'll say don't like, eat Vogel's this untoasted. Toast. Yeah, and then they'll they'll have other ones that are like sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. good. It's great. Yeah. But that's kind of, like, authoritarian, you know? Oh, well, yeah, but you're also in New Zealand, so what's going to happen? A sheep with a gun shows up and tells you to not, you know, spread mayonnaise on the toast instead of the sandwich bread? Yeah. Here the sheep are trying to take our guns away. You know what that means? We should get more guns, uh, because if they try to take your guns away, I don't know why you would need additional guns, but maybe you got to have a good old-fashioned shootout, you know, Western style, Texas style. Texas style, Texas, <laughs> Texas. It's like Texas style barbecue. It's just like revolution, <laughs> Texas style. Yeah, getting your means, getting your F one with sauce. Getting your F one fifty doing donuts in the parking lot of the Wendy's, spraying semi automatic fire out your oh, yeah. passenger side window. Yeah, yeah. No. Little Jimmy's hunkered down. You got the barrel resting Ooh. on his on his forehead there. Sure, it's Give burning off energy. the hair on his crown, but hey, yep. he understands the price of freedom. He does. You know the whole like like sauce or no sauce debate in barbecue land? I'm vaguely aware of it. Yep. Oh, it's a violent. It's 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 one of those things where people are like they they like take it far too seriously, and you're like, I get it, because it's like, well, if you need sauce on your meat, it means the meat's not good enough to to be on its own, and it's like, no, it just means you like sauce on your meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. People just like having, like, orthodox opinions about things because, it I don't know, it's a form of identity, I guess, which is uh, bullshit. That does feel like a, I don't know if it's an American thing, but it does feel like a sort of 20th century thing. Is, I don't know. If you think about, like, like Italians with, like, the, like, just all the kinds of fucking noodles for pasta. It's, oh, like, one yeah. centimeter and then two centimeters. Like, that's not fucking linguine. That's tagliatelle, you know? Yeah, or, yeah. Like, yeah it doesn't that, matter. That's true. Um, but there, well, no, yeah, I guess my thesis goes right out the window when you consider it stuff like that, but I don't, I guess I, I, no, but that's not really, that's like an established, I don't know if like, I mean, I guess that would only really 
mean anything if like you were making you were at like a family reunion and there were people who were split and you made like pasta of some like ambiguous width. Yeah. And somebody was like, Oh, that's linguine. Someone's like, No, that's tagliatelle. Like that's not even close. Yeah. And I to be, I know every furious Italian listening to this, those there is some there is I'm sure there are like two or three different pasta sizes in between those. So you can fucking calm down. But <laughs> you get my come fucking point. If, if whatever is above linguine, mm-hmm. you know, it's if where it's ambiguous, you know, but, you could debate over that, and someone yeah. would be like, "No, that's definitely this. no, that's definitely this." Well, and so that's I guess where it gets funny is like, and I guess this is the American part to me. Uh huh. In Italy, there would be a relationship between like some pasta style that somebody had come up with, and what um and like the practice of making whatever that shape of pasta was mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But normally that got served with a certain sauce, right? Because yeah. uh, certain, you know, cows or sheep were raised in the area. So one yeah. one thing had a lamb sauce, one thing had a beef sauce. Yeah, uh, yeah. In one part of Italy, tomatoes were ripe in the right season where somebody was for whatever mm-hmm. reason making a certain thing. So it's like, no, that goes with a tomato sauce. No, that goes with a basil sauce. No, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And there is some history to that. Mm-hmm. But America is so devoid of real cultural history. Oh, yeah. And there's so much, like, cross-reference to all of it that everyone has to be like, no, that's fucking wrong. Like, you can't fucking, yeah. you can't fucking have a hamburger without ketchup on it, you dumb. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got, I got, I got choked up with choice for all of the slurs that I could use because <laughs> any other part of the world, you being from there is a problem because you're not yep. from fucking Decatur or wherever yep. the fuck this is going on. Yep. But, uh... Yeah, that, but that's like a very American thing is like just arbitrary things that are nothing more than a matter of opinion. Nothing, like, yeah. Or like an even more clarified example would be then because I don't, and not that I know anything more about it, but that like in Germany, different towns, the reason sausages are named different things is because they were just the one that came out of a given town. So there was probably some bizarre ratio of like pigs to uh, mustard seed availability <laughs> that resulted in whatever yeah. the ratio between that sausage and the particular mustard that came out of that town was that is yeah. basically the sum total of as far as i'm aware culinary variability in germany but mm-hmm. uh you know that and that's i'm sure offensive but it's offensive to a german about their food particularly which is if you know i realize that this is a you know uh in, in and of itself, a different sort of offensive statement. But if you're a German with too little of a sense of humor to see the f- the what's funny about that, um, further further doth walk the joke. Um, but yeah, no, like that that's such an American thing is just to like make up a stance just out of nowhere, or just because you yeah. misheard someone at some point, and right. then you know say something like, "Oh yeah, the only place you can get real pizza is in New York." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. No, like New Jersey Fine. is literally five minutes away. And you're like, shut the fuck up. There's no fucking pizza worth eating in Jersey, in the entire fucking state. Yeah, or like somebody saying, like, no, I prefer deep dish pizza. So you got to go to Chicago. Ugh. Yeah. It's like, well, you know what? You probably do prefer that if you grew up eating Chicago pizza. Like, I right. grew up eating a pizza that was made on a sourdough crust, and I <clears> love that shit. But also, right. it's just weird enough that I know it's preposterous for me to claim that that is how pizza should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I totally get that because it's like when I was when I was in California, I lived there for whatever fucking, I don't even remember, a year, two years, something like that. Longer than was um, a good idea. Longer than any amount of time in California <laughs> is far too long. Mm. But anyway, um, I remember like... I mean, it was very funny because I was in, like, you know, the the Bay Area, and it was, like, it was just because the way that culture is there, like, it, it was very entertaining for me to lean into the being from fucking, being this fucking guy. Oh, wearing you know? your New York sweatshirt and your I'd rather be <laughs> duck hunting hat. <laughs> that is the look of the century. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Oh, man. Yeah. No, but, well, but, Williamsburg uh, hipsters would cream their tight-fitting, overpriced jeans to ever walk yeah. into a Bimart. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, fucking... Sorry, but you yeah, were talking so... about the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, no, but, like, it was it was fun to lean into, like, that aspect, especially because there was, like, there was this place called, uh, I don't know, should I say the fucking business's name? I don't, they're not gonna fucking hear this. There's a place called the Cheese Board. 
that oh, yeah, they have a cheese yeah, shop yeah. and then they have the pizza place. And the cheese shop is an amazing cheese shop. And I would love to go there. You talk to the people. They all give a fuck. They're all there because they love cheese and they love that. And it's also a bakery on that side. And it's mm-hmm. great. Yep. And, like, if you give a shit about cheese, they will be patient with you. And they'll be like, okay, yeah, no, you can taste, like... Like, you'll, you'll be like, oh, can I taste these two cheeses? Or you'll be like, oh, hey, like, I want to do a goat cheese, and I've had this other goat cheese that I really like, but, like, I, th- I think I want to do, like, a hard cheese, but, like, if you have a medium one that you think would be good, they're like, hold on, and they'll bring, like, seven cheeses for you to try, you know? God, that it's not just amazing. like I know, it's great, and they're they're very kind, and, like, you know, they're, they're great. That place is great. But there's a pizza place right, in, like, that's also the cheese board, you know? Mm. And, like, the pizza's fine. Yeah. But, like, that's, oh my, you would think it's the fucking second coming of Christ over there. Like, people lose their fucking shit over the goddamn cheese board pizza. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, my my roommates would come on and be like, oh, hey, you want some of this pizza? And I'd be like, where'd you get the pizza from? And they're like, cheese board. And I'd be like, okay. And what's on it? They're like, it's got goat cheese and peas and lemon zest. And I'm like, okay, listen, I'm not trying to be that fucking asshole. But that sounds, I'll be like, honest, okay, eat that. But call it flatbread. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. what do you mean? And I'm like, that's just flatbread. Like, pizza, when someone thinks pizza, they have an idea in their mind of, like, it doesn't have to be tomato sauce, but that's, when you think of pizza, you think of, like, a slice of gooey, cheesy pizza. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you think of the deep dish or you think of some, like, yeah. Neapolitan pie or something, you know? No, but, but you have that, yeah. that idea in your head. I would venture to say most people don't think of lemon zest and peas when they think of pizza. You know what I mean? Well, Tom, that's so, uh, that's very uh, yep. Italo-centric yep. of you. It is. And uh, it is. the fact that pizza was invented in Italy is irrelevant. You should apologize. I don't know to I whom. Sh- I should. But you but should. But I should feel shame. No, well, but it was also, like, very funny because uh, I don't think she'll ever fucking hear this. But I just loved getting, like, one of my roommates, like, riled up because it was so easy because she was, like, 100% California. In the sense where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm from California, you know, and that's it's like, a, like the way some, somebody says that. No, no, no. But like the way that someone from Texas, is like oh. I'm from Texas. Well, like that she would she, mean, okay. Yeah. Those, yeah. those can yeah. mean yeah. something, but like, yeah, yeah. But, but her stating that I'm from California as if like mm-hmm. that was supposed to mean something to me, you know? And then, um, so like one time, like she was, she, <laughs> I'm oh, from man, California. Was, I don't, I don't want to get Sears started on it because I have, <laughs> I, I have so many fucking stories that well, make me, me so me, angry. Let me let me uh, let me but, jump uh, in here with a uh, a piece of exegesis, something mm-hmm. that will not make sense to the yep. listener, but might make sense to you, Tom. And I mm-hmm. I hope for that to bring a smile to your beautiful face. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that? Would she have just loved a pizza with spaghetti squash on it? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. You could honestly probably put spaghetti squash on a pizza, and she would not turn her nose up to it. <laughs> she wouldn't do it. Like, wow, this is such an interesting pizza. I'll be like, it tastes like nothing, and that's the point. That's the point. Anyway, but I would love, like, like leaning into, like, the ignorant New York, like, mentality. Just being like, what are you, it's not fucking pizza. What are you talking about? I mean, I wouldn't do that accent, but, like, yeah, essentially, you know? Yeah. Be like, that's not pizza. They'd be like, yeah. what do you mean? And I'm like... No, but what is? Yeah, I don't mean to get like you know. I wouldn't get like f- philosophical about it. But yeah, be like all right, w- like where do you draw the line when it comes to pizza versus flatbread? No, what's but then, flatbread? But then you got to get super New Yorker about it, where you're like, what the fuck? No, look, I I got I got two questions for you. One, would a slice of it cost you more than a dollar? And two, <laughs> could you lubricate a Mack truck with it? Three, is it from a world famous pizza place? No, then it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not pizza. Was it famous from in a the world title. famous pizza place. Is it famous? Could it no. co-star on the Kardashians and would everybody understand where it came from? Absolutely not. If not, but, uh, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. No, but uh, yeah, no, fuck that place. And uh, I don't want to say fuck her because they're, they're, it's not, funny. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, dude. If we ever gain enough success where like she actually hears this, that'd be so funny. <laughs> I wouldn't feel bad about that, that moment where you know it's you who's getting talked about. We're like, yeah, and it's we like got, I've we, never we wanted to be successful problems. so much. Yeah. We might have bigger, bigger problems, problems regarding that than uh, than that lady. That lady. That lady and a and a fucking. I thought about okay. We should pizza. actually get to the wine we're, we're drinking. Pizza. 
Got a pizza. That's a not a pizza. And take a chunk of this and put it to the Patreon. But um, but I'm having a great time. I'm 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 feeling good. No, but uh, uh, totally lost what I was thinking about. Do you want to start talking about this wine? Well, I'll tell you what, Tom. I do. Okie dokie. Well, where we are both drinking uh, here, Jumala. Jumala. And I know Jumilla? that that first syllable got you a little fret in there, partner. But you know what? <laughs> That's not. It's not the kind uh, I'm talking no. about. We're not talking about a thousand of the thousand of the. You know. You know. You know. Uh, or a million. The rather. chosen. The chosen tribe. Yeah. Nope. It's not what we're talking about. Mm. We're talking about. Uh, sorry. The the chosen dozen tribes. It's like the. Yeah. Except it's the same oh, same thing. Tom. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we were doing so good. We were doing so good. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. now that now that we're now that we're in what I like to refer to as the danger zone, let's try and thread the needle <laughs> and point out that we respect. All people's heritages and religious affiliations. Uh, but we also, politically, would like to make clear that we consider Israel to be an apartheid state that deserves to be held accountable for, uh, in the modern era, some of the most egregious state-sanctioned actions. Yes. I was referring to the way that people talk about war crimes. Oh, oh, then, oh, uh, oh, no, that makes it... that. No, yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I again... Um, don't know how to exactly navigate out of this one. Uh, so, why don't we discuss the fascinating um, ambiguity of the name of Morvedra and that it is sometimes called Monestrel. Mm, sometimes it is. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so <laughs> we do, could should we, do... What, should we write down a timestamp? Uh... <laughs> Just gonna, uh, um, <laughs> nah. <laughs> we gotta we gotta push the boundaries sometime. If we end up we, attracting, I think, I think uh, the right answer is to selectively edit out parts and then leave in this, so that people don't know exactly what we're talking about. But that mm, there is a yeah, big chunk but, in there criticizing uh, specifically Israel. <laughs> yeah, but dude, it would be so much fun to just leave it. I know, <laughs> uh, but like. I, that's, uh, I, so this relates to what we were talking about earlier, and it's something I've been struggling with um, quite a, a bit psychically. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I don't want to get a little. I don't want to get too uh, too too uh, Sartrean on, on all yep. this. But almost everyone who uses the internet has entered a space of bad faith in how they live their lives. Like, yeah, you can't really navigate the internet in any effective way and not mm-hmm. as far as i can tell and yeah. it erodes and and, th- and and it predates the internet like i i think that uh uh the lack of subtlety over you know a discussion of uh pol pot in cambodia is a uh, another just sterling case example of like mm-hmm. history only starts when we want it to kind of thinking yep um but yeah, man, it is so hard to uh, like really like nav really navigate any space where you know there is um, mainstream viability and not completely capitulate to the entirely negotiable norms of discourse and um, and uh, I don't even know the word. I don't know what you would call it, but it's like the idea that yeah. and and I really and I I do mean this with some amount of sincerity. The fact that the Me Too movement just got um, basically uh, tied to the railroad tracks under the oncoming uh, locomotive, which was the Joe Biden campaign, mm-hmm. like that—that that tells you what you need to know about the sincerity of, of most people out there. And 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 the wine press has been playing that game for so long. Like you know, there is a direct link to the uh, the fact that all of the best rated wines uh, happen to cost, <laughs> uh, you know three digits as opposed to two um but uh but yeah we don't need to go too far down all that but like you're right we we shouldn't delete any of that we shouldn't i think it could be potentially even more funny if we deleted a couple parts of it um Mm -hmm. just like the only non-problematic parts uh (laughs) but uh yeah 
Humilla, uh, the Spanish Humilla. DOP. Uh, yes. Dominación de Origen Protegida. And uh, you know what else is funny? Probably offensive how I pronounced that just there. Um, That's probably more offensive than me calling, uh, you know, you know, the you know, no. <laughs> you know? No, Tom, I don't. What, what are you talking about? No. Okay, so, all right, never mind. I'll, <laughs> I'll, we can talk more about that later. But, um. Uh, please subscribe to the Patreon. Please subscribe to our Patreon. If you it's, want to I know promise any you, of this conversation it's worth it. Because the first probably 30 minutes of this episode were already <laughs> recorded and have just been stitched together with the last half hour of whatever this conversation will be. But we're talking yeah. about Humia. And we're talking about Humia because it is notable for being a uh, dominación in... Um, did I say that right? Denominación in Spain, yeah. um, where... Monastrel is the uh, most planted red varietal, and I think therefore most planted varietal, um, which uh, relates to why we're talking about it in that we were going to do an episode about Morvedra, and the only European Morvedra I could get my hands on was um, one that was only 35% Monastrel, Monastrel mm. and Morvedra being synonymous from the Humia Denomination. Uh, so that was a overly jargony and complicated way of saying Humilla? we're talking about Spanish Morvedra, which Morvedra is okay, Monastrel, which I think actually Grenache. So yeah, uh, Denominación de, ori- de Origen Protegida. Mm-hmm. I think like Rioja and Priorat. Like so, that's DOP. So yep. D.O., I think it's just uh, Denominación de Origen. Yeah. I think that's just, like, just D.O. I think Rioja and uh, Rioja and Priorat are the only two because that's, like, the top tier. And it's weird. It's, like, you would assume since there's more letters on D.O.P., it's, like, Italy where D.O.C., D.O.C.G., but it's not. It's, like, the other way around. Yeah, I don't know. Spain's, it's fucking Spain's weird. Spain's a, uh, a real sneaky country when it comes to being... Um, in some ways, more confusing with its uh, with its wine laws than France and um, Italy. I'm not saying it actually is, but it just it just throws you for a loop with some of that stuff. Yeah, well, I think it's confusing because like it isn't. It's it's so like recent uh, because uh, Spain had a dictator until 1975. Yeah. So the modern <laughs> wine industry is you know not that old. No, like 45 uh, yeah. years old. No, uh Humia uh, uh, got defined as a wine region um I believe in uh 1966. Hmm, okay. I might but be then, wrong yeah, until, about that date. Yeah, but but yeah, like the regional laws and stuff. And so I guess that yeah. what I was saying about uh Franco and stuff that had more to do with like Actually, we could we should just do a whole episode on that. That'd be an interesting thing to do yeah. research on. Oh yeah, about. yeah. It was established in 1966, um, uh, but but it was like yeah. No, you, what you were saying. Sorry. I, I, nah, nah. It doesn't matter. Sh- um, shit but, me. Uh, shit me. Up, wait, sorry. Wait. Uh, let me let me um, write this down for a second. What's up? What is up? I have a tab here where I one episode ideas. Uh, Spain, oh yeah. So um. Uh, so sorry. The 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 thought that I was yeah. having that I wanted to. Up. Spain, yeah, very confusing because its um, import-export stuff was highly impacted by Franco. Its relationship sort of with uh, the rest of the mm-hmm. world made very weird. Um, very, yep. Like, we absolutely should do an episode about that because, uh, y- you know, I you know I have a, a hankering for the geopolitical. Um, you, you, you do, you tend to. Yeah, but uh, part of what makes Humia instru- interesting in that it's so related to... Uh, Monastrel, as it's referred to there, uh, Morvedra to the the more um, francophile among us. Uh, Spain's modern wine industry is very recent and has been very much um, sort of very much defined by the end of the dictatorship in 1975. Yeah. But the wine industry in Spain is ancient. In, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The wine making in Spain is very very old. As is true in France and Italy, but there is a there is a sort of different um, a different sort of degree of contiguousness with Spain's because there have been some really crazy moments there in its in its past. Yep. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, what I wanted to say is that, like, generally, yeah, generally speaking, if you see Humia, it has at least some monastrel. Oh, yeah, another thing I want to say is that Grenache in Spain is Garnacha, and I need to do more yeah. research on this, but I think Garnacha, it's like, is, like, Grenache is indigenous to Spain, and it got brought over from Spain to the Rhone. Uh, same is true with Morvedra. With, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, uh, so yeah. calling it Spanish Morvedra or Spanish Grenache is. In fact, is quite like, wrong. Quite wrong, yeah. Yeah. You're calling it French. Monastrel and French yeah. Garnacha, but um, but this well but, this this relates to something we've said in the past, which is that one of the amazing things about the wine industry, uh, and this you know there are different theaters where these uh, things occur, but France has branded so well uh, mm-hmm. as the nation of wine, when in yeah, fact yeah, it yeah. owes historically so much to uh, to other places, and that there are yeah. you know these weird little sort of pockets of geography in France that are really great for growing certain things and mm-hmm. very specific things other places are in fact more sort of forgiving with their um with their geographies so there's sometimes and and their histories sometimes run deeper so there is more ambiguity or more uh, complexity mm-hmm. to what those other places sort of uh, identities are with wine yeah so um yeah. i i don't know if that had a like better uh, a, a more thoroughly coherable, co- coherable, mm. coherent, coherent. Yes. Yeah, but like that um, as like a yeah. as like a a an action. Uh, I don't know. I should just yeah yeah. Keep no, all right. Drinking. I want to talk about this wine because this shit is fucking. This shit is so good. So I'm drinking nice. the Casa Castillo uh, Humia, and the vineyard name is or the wine name is Las Gravas, and I think that's the name of the the vineyard. But it's a blend. It's um. So it's 70% uh, Monastrel, 15% Garnacha, and 15% um, Syrah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, they do um, oh parsh- some, full cl- uh, some whole cluster. Um, they do, let's see, they do um, blah, blah, blah. Harvested by hand, fermented in underground stone tanks with manual pijage. Um, so pijage for people is like foot stomping, essentially like punch downs with your feet. Yep. Um, and then once primary fermentation is complete, the wine is aged in 500 liter French oak demi-moods for 18 months. Um, and most vintages, only 20% of the barrels are new. And uh, it's very, very delicious. Like it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, really um, it's, it's like, I looked at the box, it's like 15.5% alcohol, vintage? but uh, 2015. Cool, 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 sorry. And uh, you would like, I, there's, I would not think that. Yeah. You know, all the, all the reviews of this wine from like the, K&L is a great site. Um, yeah. I think it's like an... Uh, I usually go in there because what they'll do is they'll compile all the like professional reviews and their notes and then staff reviews, which are honestly much better than the professional reviews. Um, yeah. But right. yeah, this also is like a, a super auction rustic old-fashioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never gotten stuff from them before, but um, yeah, uh, all their, friend, their prices friend of mine are has. always really good. Yeah. I've, oh, yeah? It's the reason I've been able to try 50-year-old, I think, Barolo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing yeah, bottle so of wine. Cool. Yeah, and so the wine is like, it's got this almost, uh, it has this like, uh, this perfumed lightness to it. So like floral, but also like, uh, like you get with like young, like good young cab where you get that like, uh, it's like almost like a, like a, like that vit, like that Flintstone vitamin type of like mm-hmm. candied, like purple yeah. fruit. Yeah. But not like a sweet, but it has that like chalky fruit to it. Yeah. And it has this like inky, sappy black fruit that's sort of like, uh, like like that you find in like a like a big Zinfandel like a Turley or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it also has this like like a like a like a hot blackberry, like a like when it's you pick it off the vine and it's hot. Yeah. You know, in the hot bacon sun, and the whole thing itself is very like it smells very sun baked, but not in like an over the top way. In terms of like you go outside in the dry heat and it just hits your skin and you feel so good. Yeah. That's what this wine smells like. Um, you know the regular like rustic brambly dusty kind of stuff too but it's when you taste it it's like it's tannic but it's not like like I'm, I'm drinking it without anything right now i had meat with it before and it was delicious but like it's got really like fresh like pretty crisp i don't want to say like fully bracing acidity but it's pretty high and the tannins are strong enough and uh i don't know dude it's fucking delicious and it's very well structured and it's the kind of thing where I've luckily I, I have another bottle of it, so it's like all right, yeah, I'll have it now. And it's super fresh, and like I might hold on to it for a little longer, but like it's one of those things that like I I could hold on to, it, but I really like it how it is right now. 
and I yeah. haven't had Moved with a bunch of age on it, so I don't really know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Very what are you nice. Drinking? Um, well, I was gonna ask what uh, what are the other constituents uh, besides uh, uh, Monastrell in uh, in that bottle for you? Own oh, this one? Yes, seventy percent Monastrell, fifteen percent Garnacha, fifteen percent Syrah. So it's just a right. it's a GSM blend from Spain. Nice. Yeah. But it but it like it tastes and smells nothing like a GSM blend from the Rhone. Mm-hmm. And like whenever I've had like uh like Bandol or like French Moved, Bandol. It's Bandol Rouge. It always has this like uh really inky brininess, this like yeah. austerity that is like really cool. But and this has that too, like like yeah, a certain extent. Aging. Yeah, yeah. But that's like I don't know. It's it's completely like uh diametrically opposed stylistically which we should talk about what stylistically like even means which i think we, we have sort of it's like um basically like like a rendition it's like if you have a jazz standard and you might have like uh like i don't know frank sinatra and the orchestra doing it one way mm-hmm. you hear that song and that's that's what like that's how they he does like what's new and then you have like Thelonious monk do it and you're like it's the same yeah. song but they're drastically different it's like that's kind of what stylistically is yeah um which is a and there's certain mm, yeah no, no, go ahead. Oh, that's a that's a thing I'd really love to get into as a as a topic, um, mm-hmm. because the and this has broader implications that I will probably attempt to use to spiral this episode out of control. But okie dokie. Um, no, so just so you know, whenever you mention the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. I literally put on a thirty-five second timer. Yeah. And check in to be like after thirty-five seconds, like okay, is he is he is he is he spiraling out? Okay, yeah. all right. Let's just let's try to try to wrangle it a little bit. So that's yeah, my recent addition. That's that's, uh, that's a good call. Um, no, the the stylistic <laughs> thing, um, yeah. especially the way you bring it up with music, but this does also apply to wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, those choices have significant meaning, and I feel like like there are a couple different ways that that can get diminished. Where it's mm-hmm. like, uh, on the one hand, you can have everybody and and their mother do a remix of a song. And mm-hmm. you just sort of are like, oh, that's that person's remix. They're fitting it into their style. Um, mm-hmm. So that sort of blands out the idea of doing a remix with intention or adding a stylistic bent that is meant to not necessarily reflect onto you, but meant to reflect some point that the song could then be making. Mm-hmm. And then the other version is the idea that uh, like you just do a cover of something to fit it and I guess it's sort of the same thing, but, like, when a band does, like, a cover of some other song that is well-known, but they're just doing the cover or, or you know, doing a rendition of it just to fit it to their style. But they're not mm-hmm. making some choice. Like, that the, 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 there wouldn't be meaning to the fact that they picked that song to uh, associate with their style or something. Like, uh, there's, a, there's a lack of any sort of broader thematic purpose to something like that or that it might be political and i'm not saying that wine is necessarily political with that stuff but there is uh-huh. a uh, overlay of that that i think is worth bringing up when talking about um french uh, the french approach to something like a gsm blend and mm-hmm. a spanish one because the markets that those wines go into are wildly different and that yeah. also applies to like new world wines so like an australian gsm blend versus a french one and that there yeah. are though they are not apparent necessarily a lot of mm-hmm. political conditions at work in how wine particularly blended wines get made that's also true mm-hmm. to a degree with um with uh single varietal wines but it is something that you have to um, you have to understand on some level the apertures of control that you have when you're making a wine that you know will be just one varietal versus making a wine that you'll be able to blend together out of a few different varietals and and that mm-hmm. you are much more constrained in how you can achieve stylistic uh, goals in a single varietal wine and that mm-hmm. that. Uh, I am of the opinion that economics can never be uh, stripped of political implication. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And uh, I think that there is a political truth in wine because of that particular perspective. And I think mm. that also relates to music. Like, I think that uh, a good example of people sort of glossing um, somebody's body of work without reading any politics into it, even though there is a great deal of politics to it, would be David mm-hmm. Bowie. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that part of why people necessarily don't, don't necessarily, uh, uh, don't necessarily have a lot of perspective on that or, or consider it much is because most of what they're given access to is hyper politicized in that it is what is considered most marketable, uh, both in mm-hmm. wine and in music. So you're not being yeah. given much access to, um, a real spectrum of, uh, of, uh, of pers- uh, personality or uh ideology or whatever else uh most of the time what you're getting is a very thin sliver like a top 40s hits kind of playlist of uh Mm -hmm. what what is safe and what we know works yeah and um and i think that uh spain contrasted with italy contrasted with france provides some pretty interesting insights i think you know, contrasting then all of that against Germany is also a worthwhile thing, mm-hmm. just constrained to Europe. But then everything blows open when you actually bring in like new world um, approaches to yeah, these same yeah. varietals and uh, and perspectives. So to, to try to wheel it way way back, mm-hmm. the idea of how much <laughs> you have to age wine is an inherently mm-hmm. political one because it has to do with what your economic yeah. situation is and what the economic yeah. situation yeah. of the winemaker is. Mm-hmm. If you are a new world producer, you you are rarely in the situation where you can tell people that they need to age their wine for more than a decade or that you need yeah. to age your wine for more than a decade. You can't make a wine mm-hmm. and tell people, don't drink this for 10 years because you don't exist in an yeah. economic reality that allows you to work on that model. Which means mm-hmm. you will make the wine differently, which means yeah. your wine will be written about and perceived differently, and the people yeah. writing about and perceiving wine have an interest in maintaining a a characterization of wine and the wine market, because they are also part of all of that, and their paychecks come from the same general milieu of, uh, yeah. of assumptions and late-night mm-hmm. ideologies and... Yeah. Uh, and, and um, false equivocations that happen yeah no that's a great point um because uh there, there are some wineries that i visited in like uh in washington because this reminds me exactly yeah i think um the me i think the the same there's one big fucking company that owns like tignanello you know that super tuscan producer mm-hmm. um them and and they own like estates in other states in Italy and one in like Lebanon or something and some in California and then one in Washington I was like which one is it and it was Cole Solaire mm. whose wines are oh Antinori? they're very good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> they're they're very good but they they need to be cellared like they need to be you get a yeah. bottle of that whatever and because like you know whatever I had like I had their wines and their Cab Franc was like the best Cab Franc I've ever had yeah, you know it's so amazing. It's not just like a big juicy fruit bomb, yummy, yummy. There's nothing wrong with that, but it was like well structured and tons of like graphite and great like robust yet like re- like refined fruit. It was very restrained. The structure was amazing, like tan and acid balance. It was very very well made, and they li- were literally like and you can drink it now, but like age it for like ten years. And I was like, and you start looking at the tasting room, you're like, oh, this tasting room must have cost them like how many million dollars you know in the whole property like it's an amazing property i took a picture from it it's great because it's it's on red mountain and like from there you can see red mountains i think it's the smallest i think it's this maybe this might be the smallest ava mm-hmm. you know the small like really in america yeah is only in america uh, but um, um yeah ribbon it's, ridge you think smaller i think ribbon ridge might be red mountain in in washington right is uh yeah yeah is a sub ava i believe of a larger area but it is like the most densely planted piece of wine country in uh, in Washington, if I'm remembering. Oh, Red Mountain. Yeah, Red Mountain. Yeah. It's, it's like it's all the smallest AVA. Like, like in nobody. <laughs> Washington for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, and you start looking like, oh yeah, wait, how can they afford to make wines that can own like they say basically don't drink for ten years? It's like, oh, because they're owned by some company where they can afford to just basically lose money. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's it's not some like mom and pop small establishment that exactly yeah. they like they need to sell it like this many cases of wine just to pay like 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 the water bill on their house you know what i mean like it's they're not relying on that they have yeah. so much fucking money on deck where they can afford to not even like if they wanted to they could probably hold the wine back for like five years yeah 
and then be like, oh yeah, no, we're pouring our, uh, we're actually, um, we're releasing our 2015s now. You know, like they could probably do that. And then, and then they could be like, okay, yeah, no, drink these now. Yeah. Or maybe wait like three years or something. Because if you tell somebody wait 10 years, it's like, you know, yeah, right. But if you tell somebody to hold on to this cab for three years and drink it, they'll be like, okay. And they might like buy a case. If, you know, obviously I'm not talking about like working people, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll buy a case and then they might drink half and then they'll hold on to half and then they'll be yeah. like, oh, these are great. And they'll buy more. Um, yeah. But the only, you're right. The only people who can afford to do that are, you know, people who can afford to like lose money basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous business model. And I think that's a totally good point. Um, but, uh, yeah. For for reference, Antonori also owns Stag Leaps, Stag's Leap Wine Cellars. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. They I think they are, own another place in in Napa. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. They are a yeah, so, yeah, powerhouse of, uh, of of brands. Yeah, they own. Uh, I think they own Tignanello, right? Yeah, they own Tignanello. They own yeah. a, a label called Badia Passignano. They own Pepoli. Um, like wow. They, yep, bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They. Uh, yep. But yeah, so oh, and they're part of the Perrier uh, uh, Perrier Group. Yeah, again, like I was saying, one of the three remaining companies in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's something worth again talking about. Is like, <laughs> um, and this is this. So the the, the conversation with you know, uh, Spanish Morvedra versus um, French Morvedra or Monastrel yeah, versus yeah. Morvedra. There are very yeah. different economics at work there, but then the economics within those two countries are very different because there are entities out there that can afford to uh own places in both and yeah and basically uh experiment because they have the, mm-hmm. the cash flow but then you also have you know uh the the fact that in america which is a new world so like i was pitting new world against the you know those three uh european nations but the situation in california is wildly different than it is in literally any other state in the country and then it is Again, wildly different in Washington than it is in any other state in the country. Mm-hmm. And then after yeah. that, everything drops off precipitously. The percentage of yeah. wine made outside of uh, uh, of uh, California and Washington is not sig- statistically insignificant, but it is just, you know, I think between those two states, that's 90% of the wine made in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, believe it. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's fucking wild. Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah. California by itself produces eighty-four uh, percent of American wine. Mm, damn. Yeah. All right. Wait. Wait. Before we get too far down this, what do you talk about your wine? Do you like your wine? First of all. Oh yes, I I do. It's very good. Okay. Uh, oh, and yeah. uh, Washington. Oh my God. Yeah. Washington produces five percent. Yeah. Um, Oregon one point four six percent. Guess what state produces more wine? So at New York, yeah, three point four percent. Guess what? One mm-hmm. of the states that produces more wine than Oregon is. Uh, it's got to be like Texas, Michigan, or Missouri. Uh, I hate to say it, man, but wrong, wrong, and wrong. Really? Yeah. What is it? Uh, Michigan point three one nine. Huh. Missouri point one two three percent. Uh huh. Texas point two three seven percent. What? What is it? Pennsylvania. Really? Yeah. Son of a bitch. Oh, this was in 2016. Things have probably changed since then, but still. Maybe, but still. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Pennsylvania. Actually, Penn's, uh, Penn Woods is a winery that's uh, I went to, and uh, good wines. I mean, you know, I'll say, okay, I've had a, their, I had their uh, their Merlot and their, like, late harvest, their, like, mm. dessert mm-hmm. Merlot. They're both, like, genuinely very, very good. Cool. Their other wines were, like, they're they're like good by like an East Coast standard. Yeah, you know, like they're they're that they're is a coded diss. That is a coded diss. As someone from the East Coast, <laughs> they're 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 figuring it out. Yeah. You know, but like to be fair, a lot of people in the East Coast are just like people with a bunch of money, being like, I want a vineyard, and they just like buy yeah. land. They don't they don't look into what kind of soil type it is. They don't look at like even like the aspect. They don't look yeah. into any of that kind of stuff. Climate, whatever. They just buy a plot of land and like plant vines and then like i like cab or they'll ask somebody like what grows well here they're like i don't know cab they're like all right boom planting it yeah and then i was talking to somebody and like somebody there and they were like yeah no the uh like we're just starting to do like research into the soil and the vines are like 25 years old or something yeah and i'm like yeah 
you know, you like you should. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> and they were that's like, a "Good call there." Yeah, no, there's this, there's this one part where like there's a lot of iron-rich soil, and like the the Merlot seems to do really well there. It's like, yeah, no, in the right bank of Bordeaux, there's like a big iron pan. It's one of the things that they attribute like the quality of the Merlot to. They're like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you should do some, you should do some research into that. You would be amazed, dear reader, or sorry, dear listener. I was skipping ahead there in the in the yep. in the media. I was about to champion how much you can learn from a book. From a single book. I'm not talking about. You don't need to read a goddamn library worth of shit. Just a book. A book can teach you so much. It's like, hey, let let me do a quick Google search about what could be relevant, and then let me just find a book, read a couple of reviews, read the book. Wow, you will learn a lot. Yeah. No, that was. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh my god. That uh. That hurts. Yeah. But, you know, they have a vineyard I don't. What the fuck do I know? Nothing. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You just know where to get a goddamn book. (laughs) I just know where to get a fucking book. And honestly, uh, that... uh, All you learn from that book, you should be sad. (laughs) It's what most books will teach you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly, if you're paying attention and it's a book that actually tells you anything meaningful, yeah, more than likely, you should be sad. Yep. It's like how if you're a chiropractor and somebody comes in and they're like, "Yeah, I'm uh, trying to trying to develop an exercise routine." You'll uh, you'll based on the auspices of your profession responsibly tell them, "Well, don't take up running," um, which I personally don't believe. I don't think that's good advice. I think you can take up running and it can be very very healthy for you. But a lot of people, um, and there's actually a fascinating history of this that I shouldn't go too far into because a horrible tangent. But uh, most mm-hmm. running shoes wreck your back. Because they encourage you to land on your heel when you take a step, which is nice. just about the worst thing you can do for your foot and your knee Beautiful. and your hip and your back because it's all connected because your body is one big thing. Um, <laughs> but it's funny how that works, isn't mm-hmm. it? And by the same token, a psychiatrist taking on a new patient or, say, therapist, uh, the best thing they could probably do is say, well... Uh, the first thing you should do is not read any books for a little while, because if you're mm-hmm. depressed, that's only going to make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been like, maybe I should like uh, take a little break from reading about uh, political theory and, uh, you know, just uh, anything to do with, uh, you know, uh, Fact reality. history. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should take a break and read a book about, uh, I don't know. Something, something fun. Yeah. Something silly and wacky. Uh, to put it out there for uh, the like Valis. <laughs> Great book. <laughs> something uh, relaxing yeah. like Valis. <laughs> <laughs> Soothing is a word that comes to my mind uh, when I think about that book. The ramblings of a man who just had a stroke and through the <laughs> stroke uh, managed to annoy his ex-wife enough to get them, get her to take their kid to the doctor again yep. to do a test that no one thought the kid could possibly need to discover that, in fact, uh, he would have died if they hadn't done that exact test that the guy yep. who just had a yep. stroke became convinced they needed to do. And it's a true story. True goddamn story. Philip K. Dick, one of the most amazing <laughs> literary figures of the 20th century who will never, ever, ever get the uh, credit he deserved. Yeah. Now, every once in a while, I'm like, let me just lean real hard into this yep. raging mental illness, and uh, let's just let's just let's just make yourself as unhappy as possible. And I, <laughs> but sometimes I mean uh, most of the time. And then I'll do something like I'll be having like panic attacks regularly, and I'm like, let's read Vallis. Let's take the subway and read Vallis. That sounds <laughs> terrifying in an oddly beautiful way. And there's nothing beautiful about it. It's just horrible. I mean, no, but it, I mean, it, it is. It is like, like that's like the best place to read the first three pages of Gravity's Rainbow would be on the subway. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it is. There's something. I mean, we should not put this in there because this is like just no. I mean, people will yeah, either yeah. find this like poignant or they'll uh, you know. Hey, if this turns you off as a listener, fuck you. Your libido is all suck. messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, penis. but on the but. on the uh, subject of all of that, I yep. would like to uh, let all of our dear listeners know that one of the best books they can uh, use to um, oh sorry one second let me let me start all that over. We do that. Let me I'll try again. 
Oh, no, don't edit it out. Um, Hot. Dear reader, in case you are interested to know, one of the best books you could possibly read to send yourself into a horrifying existential fugue of confusion and uh, paranoia is Naomi Klein's The Shock Doctrine, in which you will learn about Donald Ewan Cameron, actual horrible person who actually helped the CIA come up with the actual practice of keeping people alive while destroying their poor brains. And in said book, The Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein, you will be able to read her interview with one of his poor benighted psychiatric subjects who, uh, in her own words, has to live in the constant terror of Wait, I'm forgetting the actual... I'm paraphrasing poorly her actual statements about the fact that he was her monster who destroyed her spinal column through shock therapy so horrifyingly strong that it actually broke her nervous system. And that, guys, uh, research became the basis for the CIA's manual for enhanced interrogation techniques. Nice. Yeah. Um, for anyone listening, and also you, buddy boy... Mm-hmm. Um, the bar for being a bad person in our modern world has been set so staggeringly high that you can still become one by doing the normal things uh, that are shitty that we are as average individuals capable of doing. There are plenty of things mm-hmm. that we've all known forever. We're on the list of shit you do that turns you into a bad person. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is that that spectrum has been opened wide, wide, wide on the uh on the dark side of it because it turns out that the only way you can uh really maintain terror in huge populations of people is by expanding the um physical and mental anguish you can put them through and that ladies and gentlemen is what american foreign policy is all about (laughs) so i'm drinking a uh carcello 2016 (laughs) um it's from uh, uh, Bodejas Carcello. It's a state-grown. Spill, spill that for me. C-A-R-C-H-E-L-O. I'm drinking the 2016 vintage. Um, I'm just drinking their... Uh, it's just sort of their uh, like main main label, I suppose you would call it. They make mm-hmm. a rosé. Uh, they make a, a wine called uh, Eya, E-Y-A. That's a, a young red that's made exclusively of... Uh, Monastrel, um, mm-hmm. and then they make Carcello, uh, which is what I'm drinking. It's a red. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. It's a red uh, blend. It's made of Monastrel, Tempranillo, Syrah, and Cabernet Sauvignon. So it's not a. Uh, it's not a GSM. Hmm. Uh, and it's it, but it is also relatively young. Like I think, I would love to get a hold of the uh, their Aya wine. Aya. I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure how you'd pronounce it, honestly. Um. But it, they call it a young red. It looks like it doesn't receive any aging. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the Carcello uh, is um, aged for six months in barrel, six months in barrel, and three months in bottle before being sold. They describe the fermentation as rapid. I assume that means it's a sort of pseudo carbonic situation. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Uh, they also this company apparently also makes a, a, a wine called Altico, which they age for twelve months in barrel and then uh, twelve months in bottle. Same mm. uh, basic uh, blend varietals as uh, what I'm drinking: Monastrel, uh, Syrah, Tempranillo, uh-huh. Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, it undergoes malolactic uh, fermentation in barrel, and then they make a Carcello Selecto, six months, three months. I think it is just a barrel. A barrel select blend, uh, basically of what I'm drinking currently, and oh. then they make a wine called Canaliso. Um, Twenty months in barrel, twelve months in bottle. Monastrel, Syrah, Tempranillo, no caps off. Um, and then they make a wine called Muri Veteres. Uh, twelve months in barrel, twelve months in bottle. All Monastrel, mm-hmm. and then there, uh, you're gonna love this, Tom. Yep, Autista. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 14 months in barrel, 12 months in bottle, um, 30% love, 30% passion, 40% excitement, 0% self-interest. That's what it says? That's what it says on their website. Oh, God, that sucks. I would, like, <laughs> if I saw that on the bottle, I would not buy that just because it says that. Yep. Uh, there's something that's, that apparently on the label it says, Soy diferente, soy uh, unico, soy como 
uh, vosotros tengo alma, tengo corazón y amo la vida. Uh, yep. Disfrutémosla juntos. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah, buddy. I, that was so what? I, 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 I was just reading down through all their... Uh, their labels and didn't realize that I was going to land on that one. <laughs> I, nice. um, I will be honest that, uh, I, I'm very confused about what that last wine actually is. It, it legitimately doesn't say what grapes they use to make it. Well, the car, the, the cartel that I'm drinking is very good. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's very big. It's a, it's got a lot of the sort of granularity that you kind of expect to come along with Syrah mm-hmm. and, uh, and the Morvedra. Um, but it's got, it's got a, it's got a nice sort of like, I think this is wine that would age pretty well. It cost me 15 bucks. Like it was not expensive. Mm. Um, but I think the Tempranillo provides it like a really nice sort of, um, tannic backbone. And then the Cab uh-huh. Sauv just adds this like base, base weight to the entire like floor of the wine. There, mm-hmm. there is a, uh, a base sort of black purple tone to the fruit that I think that's contributing. Um, it's, it's. It's exactly what I would, if somebody asked me to characterize a... Ooh! Sorry, we just got another Patreon. Ooh! Our biggest fan signed up for our Patreon. He's a leather cock. Ooh! Ooh. (laughs) Beautiful. That's very exciting. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but... No, that's amazing. That's a big big thing. Yeah. Like, wow, somebody... Somebody we don't know is giving us $10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, case, in case anybody for some reason listening to this, because this was probably right towards the end of uh, what we should make the actual episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> please sign up for the Patreon. Uh, oh, please. We'll start oh, doing my God. the Patreon episode in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> we are simultaneously the worst and best people you could possibly listen to about wine, because on the one hand... Um, no man, we're the best. What are you kidding me? Oh no, we're we're the best in that we are the literally, and I, I I say this with complete sincerity and some level of like uh, authority, the most honest people you could possibly be listening to about <laughs> wine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we are the worst in that uh, what we teach you about wine and what we say about wine will mm-hmm. um alienate you from anyone who has any other form of credentials about <laughs> wine and uh yeah. also potentially alienate you from anyone who does not have a sense of humor uh sicker than coronavirus 